Hallelujah. Am I on, bro? Am I sounding? Uh, hallelujah. Don't sound like it. Maybe it is. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, great. It's good seeing everybody here. Man, I miss being here. Felt like I haven't been here for a month. And uh, it's been something. You know, Hurricane Ida caused us to miss a Sunday. Probably caused some other things. Been inconvenienced some. But uh, I think we all survived. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, uh, we didn't even know whether we were going to have service today. But it looks like we are. And uh, uh, we have been in a series, and I thought I was going to interrupt it and, uh, and maybe preach something about faith since we've been going through so much, but the Lord deterred me from doing that. Yesterday, this week has been a great week for us. Uh, we had a lot happening here. We've been feeding people uh, in the evenings here right in front of the church here. And also in Fat City, we've been giving out hundreds of meals uh, uh, every evening. Yesterday, 10 of us, a crew from here, went down to Lockport to one of our churches there that got destroyed. And we helped them five hours. We blitzed that place. We cleaned their parking lot. We cut trees. So they're having service today in their youth building. But uh, we really, we drove up there. It looked like the parking lot wasn't too bad until we looked around. I said, whoa, we got us a job here. But we got it done, thank God, and we blessed that church. And uh, uh, so we've been busy. God's going to bless us, no doubt about it. So praise the Lord. So the past few weeks before the hurricane hit, we have been laying a foundation on preparing for the harvest because I believe there is a harvest here that God has called us to reach. We were not here by accident. We've been called here by the Lord to do this work and God keeps keeps uh, uh, confirming that. Uh, little by little, he's confirming that we need to be here. And we've been preparing laborers. That's what we've been on this portion of this series and we're believing that God's going to give us souls. And the week before Thanksgiving, it's going to be a Tuesday night, we're going to be having a banquet. In fact, the church across the street is going to let us use their youth building. We're going to put on a banquet, and it's going to be a harvest banquet. We're going to believe that God's going to have new converts there, and, and there's going to be testimonies about the ministry that God has sent us here. You know... Jesus, and we're doing all that because of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus said, then he said to them, he's talking to his disciples, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, the devil would like for us to believe that the harvest is not ready to be taken. The, 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 the enemy would like us to think nobody wants to hear what we have to say. Nobody wants to hear the gospel. Nobody wants to hear about religion. Well, they shouldn't. 
because religion stinks. They don't need to hear about church. What they need to hear about is Jesus and how he died on a cross for us. I believe that the upheaval that we are experiencing in the world today tells us the harvest is ready and that now is our time. Say our time. This is our time. We are going to reach people. And it's, it's been amazing. I tell you, if you are out there with us giving out these meals and, and looking into the faces of these people uh, that are passing there, uh, it, if you're a believer, it would just break your heart because you know these people need more than food. They need God. They need the Lord to touch their lives. Jesus told his disciples this in John chapter 4, verse 35. Do not say that they are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So really, seeing the harvest field, God's got to show it to us. And, and by the Holy Spirit, we can see that the harvest field is truly white. You know, the foundation of this ministry, which is the lifeblood of this church, is right over here. And that is winning souls and making disciples. That's what we do. We're going to do anything else. We don't have bells and whistles. We're going to stick strictly on obeying the command that the Lord has given us, and that is to win souls and make disciples of them. And that will include three things. Number one, personal evangelism, church services, life groups, and special outreaches that we're doing here with the food thing to reach our community. We have to engage our community because that's what that first word is, to go, not stay. See, staying is right here, thinking that we're going to get everything done here. No, we're going to get everything done out there. So we have to get outside of these four walls and engage our community with the gospel. Life groups are groups during the week where evangelism will happen. There's people here that have committed their lives to Christ because they were in a life group. Okay, that is outside of this building. We're working out there because life groups really represent the life of the church, not just on Sunday morning. This is not, this doesn't encompass our life. Our life is a community. It's outside of just us meeting here on Sunday morning. Sunday morning service should represent What's happening in our life groups and our outreaches during the week? We should be coming here celebrating what we did this week. That's what we should be doing. What we've done in our life groups, the people we've invited, the people are getting saved. This should be the time of celebration. A celebration that when we all come together should be a result of the work that we do out there. So... The early church, if you read the book of Acts, met house to house. It went house to house. That's why we're in houses. We're going to go house to house. We'll go anyway. We'll go to coffee shops. We don't care. We're going to go. The early church met house to house, but they also met in the temple courts. So that's when we come back here on Sunday. So the life of the church is in community. 
Community is sharing our lives with each other. That's why the Bible tells us don't forsake assembling yourselves together. As some are, some do, they forsake assembly. Why? Because we're going to encourage one another. We're going to embrace one another. We're going to build one another up. If you don't come here, who's going to build you up? The world out there is not going to do it. The world out there is not going to give you any encouragement or any hope or any faith. You have to come here to get encouraged. You have to come here to get cared for, to be loved. Somebody to help you carry your burdens in supporting you and whatever you're going through in your life. That can only be done in small, intimate groups, growing together and building relationships. That's why we have life groups. That's where this church is going to get stronger. We get stronger in the Word, and we get stronger being responsible for our lives. We learn to what it, what it means to be a Christian. Then the other is reaching out to other people. That's evangelism. So these three is what makes up a disciple's life. And you can't ignore any one of them. So, But what's so hard about showing up here on Sunday morning? What, what is so hard about that? That should be easy. Then meeting once a week somewhere with a group of, of believers, what is so hard about that? It's not hard. We're not, we're not lay, laying a heavy burden on anybody. We meet twice a week. Once here, once in our life group. But the rest of your life, you should be a witness wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you work, wherever you live, once you commit to these two meetings, Sunday morning, in your life group meeting, then the rest of your life, you ought to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever you talk to, whoever sees you, you ought to be a witness. So then our emphasis as a church is this. We got to consider other people. We can't say, well, thank God I'm saved. I'm here now. Everything's okay. No, it's not okay. You're okay, you're okay, but they're not okay. We've got to thank God that we're saved, but we've got to realize that we've got family members, friends, relatives, neighbors that don't know Christ. If you're looking at these cars that are coming through here, we're giving meals out, you look in these people's face and you can see the loss where they are without hope. We're giving them food, but... but I try to give them more than that when they let me talk to them, that they need more than just food. So we got to consider other people who are not born again. And that's where evangelism comes in, being a witness to the lost. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for them. The world he loved, guess who they are? They're from the worst sinner out there to the best sinner. And it's not a select group. We don't pick and choose who we want to give the gospel to. We give it to everybody, anybody, whoever they are. The rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, the Jew, the Gentile, whoever they are and where they are. Don't matter. We got to give it to them. This is what 
the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we know that God doesn't want anyone lost. Well, guess what? We don't want them lost either. We want to have the same heart God has. When we see an unsaved person, God gives us opportunity to be a witness to them. we got to take it. you got to take it right then and there. So the truth is that God's will is the responsibility of the church. He left that. He left his will, his burden that he died on the cross of Calvary for to the church. We ought to be carrying the same burden that led Christ to be sacrificed on the cross. That should be our burden. See, that is normal Christian lifestyle. That's not radicals. People say, well, they're too radical. They witness to everybody. No, it ain't radical. That's normal. That's normal Christianity that we're going to be a witness no matter where we are and to whosoever. See? That's normal Christian life. Normal Christian life is being full of God's Holy Spirit, baptizing God's Holy Spirit, and be a, carry the anointing wherever you go. That's normal. That's not Pentecostal or, or, or radical. No, that's normal. Read the Bible. Normal Christianity. We should be able to make a difference no matter where we are. That should be our DNA because that's the same DNA he had. Should be our DNA. Jesus said he came to do the will of the Father and that was to save the world. Now Jesus revealed this truth in a parable in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 14, this is a parable. It says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. I had an experience with this. My wife and I, some years ago, baby, you remember this? I think we're probably about eight, nine years ago. We're living in Mandeville. And, and, and I belong to an organization. We try to help young pastors. And, and I'm a father in the faith. Uh, uh, and there were about three or four young pastors trying to uh, become a part of us. And we, we made a big banquet. Remember, baby? I had Amber, my, my granddaughter, to serve and her friend. We was going to lay it out for them. We invited them. They all accepted the invitation. Only one showed up. The one that showed up didn't really need to be there. I invited them. But 
They didn't come. We had all this food. We had uh, service. I had my granddaughter and her, her, her friend. They were going to serve the pastors and their wives. None showed up. I had to fight anger. This is what, 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 what the power was talking about. He invited all these people. He prepared everything. And everybody had excuses. In fact, these guys didn't have any excuses. They just didn't show up. I know why one of them did. He was in adultery, I found out later. Pastoring a church. All right. Then he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered had been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I will tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So I titled the message, My House Will Be Full. It will be full. This parable gives us a clear picture of the Lord's great invitation of the gospel and the flimsy excuses people give for not accepting his invitation. The great banquet is going to happen. I don't know whether you realize that. It's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in eternity. And there is such a thing promised. It is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, uh, John said, This is what he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. This banquet is going to take place. It's going to take place. This is a banquet God wants everybody who has been invited to be present there. I want to be there. I hope I'm in... The Italian section where they, they serve the Italian food and, and to my right and to the left, I take some Cajun food. But uh, I know it's going to be good, okay? Jesus is preparing it. It's going to be great. But everybody that was invited won't be there because they had excuses or not to be there. Let me set the scene here with you with this parable. Jesus was at a supper table. He was invited by a Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader, to come eat with him. A lot happened at that meal. He actually healed. It was on a Sabbath day. He actually healed the man's hand. And the Pharisees looking at him, hey, man's healing on a Sabbath here. He's breaking the law. He told them this. This is what he told them. He told them who they should invite to the banquet. In Luke 14, 12, it says, Then Jesus said to the host, that had to be the Pharisee, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Jewish leaders believed that the Messiah was going to set up his kingdom on earth. They thought they was going to rule now. 
They thought they, would, they couldn't think heavenly. They were thinking earthly. And one of them at the table said this in verse 15. One of those at the table with him heard this. He said, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And because of this man's statement, Jesus told this parable. Now, this parable can be dissected in three ways. The invitation and the decision whether you're coming or not. Then the excuses and then the evangelism. Let's look at the invitation. The invitation was sent out to everyone. They all accepted it. See, they accepted it when, see, the gospel is, it's so inviting when you tell somebody God can forgive you of all your sins. He will forgive you of all your sins. They're ready to take that. But when they have to submit to him as Lord and Savior of their life and, and give their whole life, then that's a different story. See, accepting the invitation is fine. Yeah, I'll come. But if something better comes up, I'm a, I'll cancel out. But this was pertaining to the Jews. The Jewish people had the invitation. They had the promise of the Messiah. Us Gentiles had to wait to Acts chapter 10 before we came in. But they already had this thing. They already had the Old Testament. They had the promises of the coming Messiah. The Gentiles didn't know anything about that. So the invitation went first to them. That's why Jesus went to the Jews first. When, when they were the first to be invited, if anybody would have recognized who Jesus was, it should have been the Jewish people. That's why the early church went to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. Even the apostle Paul, he was a Jew, but he went to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. They all did that. They went into a city. They went into the synagogue first. Who would be the first ones to accept the gospel? It should have been the Jewish people. But they rejected it and they went out to the Gentiles. Thank God. I thank God. What they rejected, we took. Hallelujah. Jesus explains this in the parable that the time had come for the banquet. He sent his servant to tell Everyone to come, everything's ready. I want to tell you, everything's ready. Everything's, everything's been done, really. Then came all the excuses. Now, the excuses, the first one said, I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. He had some business to attend to. He had some business that he had to attend to that was more important than going to the banquet. He was too involved in his business work than to go to the banquet. See, a man can come too involved in his business venture of professions and sacrifice spirituality. In other words, we can get so engrossed into whatever profession God's called us in, whatever business God calls us into, and we can sacrifice spirituality for our business or occupation. We can't do that. It's very, it's very uh, tempting. It happened to me. My wife and I, we were married very young. We never had two pennies to rub together. But there came a time in my life after I got saved that God began blessing me financially, I had two businesses going. I was making more money than I could spend. 
Lincoln Continental, four-bedroom house, swimming pool, and, and everything started rolling, something we never had before. But God had to put the brakes on me and said, hey, you can't keep going in this direction because you're leaving me. It's very tempting to do that. You can make an excuse on not attending the banquet. This is what Jesus said, and this is what we all have to understand. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first, first, say first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Let's go after God first. God says, I'll take care of your business. I'm going to take care of your family. I'm going to take care of those things you need, but you have to keep the kingdom first. The kingdom must be first. If you take the kingdom and make it second, nothing is going to work. It don't work. But you put the kingdom first, then all these things will be added. These things are the things he knows we need. So God must remain the center of our lives. Everything's got to revolve around Christ. Our whole life. Our families got to revolve around Christ. Our business ventures got to revolve around Christ. Our occupation has to revolve around Christ. He has to be the center. He has to be number one. I've been there and done that. I, I've experienced what I'm preaching to you today. And I wasn't a minister at the time. I experienced that, okay? The second excuse, another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. See, those oxen was a new purchase. Man, got me five yoke of oxen. Whoa, whoa. I, I, I got to go try them out. I can't go to the banker. I got I to try these oxen out. See, this was something new. This was a, a material thing that, that just got my eyes all Blighted up, man. I'm lit up. I got these five yoke of oxen. Man, I got to go try them out. See, that newness a lot of times captivate us. We got this thing now. We got this stuff now. But they should never keep us away from the things of God. See, things are going to come. Sometimes I think the, the devil would even try to throw some things on you, you know, and say, oh, this is a blessing of God. I'll tell you a story about that. When I was out in beauty school business, uh, I was, uh, I used to go out and do shows on the weekends, make a lot of money. I was making enough money as it was, but yet I had this opportunity to make more money. Well, doing these shows, I had to miss church on the weekends. I did that for about three weeks. Miss service. And I knew when I was out there that I was getting too close to the world. And the next week I came into service, the fourth week, and guess who was waiting in the foyer? That was my pastor. He says, brother, he says, where in the world have you been? I said, pastor, I said, the Lord has been blessing me. And he looked at me. He said, do you need that money? 
And it was as if God himself was speaking. I said, I don't need that money. He says, it ain't God. And I knew when he said it ain't God, that was the end of that. That woman that hired me came to my, my school the next day, wanted to know how things went. I told her, I said, Amanda, I quit. She said, what do you mean you quit? We don't pay anybody the money you pay. I said, we're going to give you more. I said, you can give me all you want. I've quit. You see, we have to know when it's time to quit. We've got to know when it's time. I can't have that much. See, sometimes prosperity, that's why back in the 80s when these preachers were preaching this prosperity message that if you're a true believer and you got faith, you're going to be rich. Yeah, rich? Rich where? You could be rich here in this world and you're going to be poor on the other side. So that prosperity message could kill you. It costs you your eternal life. Still another said, I just got married. This is the kicker here. I just got married. Oh, I can't come. Right? This man just got married. It's true. Marriage is ordained of God. It should be. For believers, it should be ordained of God. But even marriage is not to be put before the kingdom. It's not to be put before the Lord. Even our marriage is not to be put ahead of God. Not even our families, our friends, our relatives, all of that should not be put before God. God is first in everything. There are many other excuses. We've got three here, but we come up with plenty more. And if you don't have one, the devil will be glad to give you one. He can come up with many of them why you aren't serving God the way you're supposed to be serving him. But when we put them before God, they're all flimsy, they're all worthless, they all don't amount to anything. It won't work in the end. I don't care what you come up with. But look what happened in Luke chapter 14, I mean 14 verse 21. It says the servant came back. After, the servant got all these excuses. He went to all of them. He got all these excuses. He comes back and he's telling the master. We know who the master is. The master is Jesus. The, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry. I tell you, me and my wife, we experienced that. Made the big meal. They didn't show up. Okay. Got that. God showed me that. They became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These people didn't deserve to come here. Go out there, get anybody. Get the crippled, get the, get the blind, get the poor, get the lame, bring them in here. This is the Lord's response to their rejection. The Lord became angry, he have every right to be because they accepted it, but then they didn't show up. They showed unconcern at the great cost of the banquet. You realize what the banquet cost? Right here. This is the cost of the banquet that he's talking about. He paid for it. See, when he paid for it. Don't you hate when you pay for something and somebody don't regard it? They, 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 they could care less about it when you paid for it? See, these are people who should have been there. They were believers, but they didn't make it. The Lord's anger resulted 
in evangelism because his will is going to be done. So you, people can do what they want. God is not fooling around. His house is going to be full. His house is going to be full. So he sends out two more invitations. He says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. So the servant says, what you have ordered has been done, but they're still wrong. Still wrong. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads now. Now you're going out further. Country lanes. Make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's going to be tasty. They ain't going to taste it. Servants brought in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, and there was still room. Then the master said to the servants, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in. Now, this word make, the NIV uses the word make. The King James uses the word compel them to come in. (laughs) The message Bible says drag them in here. <laughs> that is brother Chris. He said, "I like that." Let's drag them in here. Sometimes they 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 say they so full of the world. Sometimes you might have to pull them in a little bit. You know, uh, you know, we can't force anybody to come, but we can be very convincing. You got to tell them your life depends on this. <laughs> you want the answer to your life? It's here, Jesus. You want things to change in your life? It's here. It's Jesus. You need to be here. I remember when I was in, in, in uh, uh, going full-time in ministry, and I, I was quitting the hairdressing profession. And I remember the last Saturday I was doing clients, and, and I had this woman in a chair. I knew her life was a wreck. And, and I started witnessing her. This was the last day. I ain't doing no more. And, and, and I was witnessing to her. She says, you know, she says, I don't have to sit here and listen to this. I said, listen, you need it. I didn't care whether she came back. I was quitting anyway. <laughs> I was quitting anyway. I said, but you need. See, I know you don't have to sit here and listen to it. I know you're not paying for this, but you need this. See, that's what we have to do. When we see somebody in trouble, we need to tell them and we need to compel them to come in. We are to be witnesses everywhere we go seeking out the law. There are three words the Lord said that stands out to me here. He says, go out quickly. You see, he can't wait. See, he wants us to be busy doing the work that he's called us to do. Why? Because he wants his house full. I want to see this church full, full. He wants to see it. That's what he's telling us. He wants his house full. We want it full one time, two times, three times on a weekend if we have to. He said, go out quickly. And I know there's going to be excuses why we can't get involved in the vision. We got a vision. It's not hard. The vision is not hard. Say it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard to do what we're doing, but we have to do it. The excuses doesn't stop the Lord from filling his house. He wants his house full, and it can't stop us either. Listen, 
We want to keep going. We got, we got ministry here. We got leadership here. Look, we're sold out. We're not going to stop. There might be some say we don't want it. That's fine. We're going to keep going. We, we ain't going to stop. We're going to keep going. Okay? Because why? Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. I want to let you know. I've been saved almost 50 years. I've been invited to this banquet. And I want to tell you, I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I can't wait to get there. I want to be there. Okay? And I don't have any excuses. I don't want any excuses. For 50 years, I've been looking for this banquet. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to try to bring as many people as I possibly can. 40 years of ministry, I brought many in. I want to bring more in, okay? I'm going to be there. Whether those that I preach to go or not, I can't help that. I will tell you, if you make it there, you're going to see me. I'm going to be there. And I hope my family's going to be there. I hope everybody that God put under my ministry is there and we can all rejoice together. Now, how about you? Are you planning on being there? Huh? Are you planning on being there? Or have you come up with some kind of excuse yet? Is anything more important than showing up for this banquet? I don't think so. The Lord said, if you come up with an excuse, you ain't tasting it. And the invitation is simply this. Accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That's it. 